An epic tale? Well, hardly. But the rise and fall of the ebook may be the year's most critical story for trade book publishers. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. What lies behind the decline in ebook sales is hardly mysterious. One of the big five flatly pointed to new retail sales terms. Andrew Albany, senior writer for Publishers Weekly, joins me every Friday with the latest book business news. And today he looks beyond the dismaying sales charts for underlying causes. Welcome back, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, it was a week of numbers, so let's start there. And with this subject that we have been following for some time, that of ebook sales. And once again, they have posted a monthly decline. That's right. The AAP, the Association of American Publishers, this week reported its November 2015 results. And I'll give you the good news first. The overall sales of adult trade books were up a pretty healthy 9.5% over sales in November 2014. And leading the way, trade paperback books, which jumped a massive 31.4% over the previous year. But the not so good news is that that spike was largely attributed to the surge in adult coloring books, a segment that really is continuing to flourish for reasons I can't quite understand. But hey, whatever floats your boat, that's good for you. That's great. Now, sales for all 1,205 publishers, the report to the AAP were up 1.8% in November, but overall down about 2.6% for 2015. And that includes results from January to November of last year. And I think the ominous news there is that besides trade paperback sales, uh, boosted, as we said, by adult coloring books, the only other category in which sales were up in the first 11 months of 2015 was religious presses, which posted a 0.9% gain from those publishers that were reporting. We should point out that digital audio is also surging in popularity, continuing to surge in popularity, I should say. And they posted a whopping 40% gain November 2015 over November 2014. But of course, as you point out, Ebooks are the big story. They were off once again, down 7.3% for November 2015 over 2014. And ebooks in children's are faring even worse. They were off about 43% over the previous year. So again, I think it's early to say what's really going on with ebooks uh, for those publishers that report to AAP. And we're certainly keeping an eye out and keeping our ears to the ground for what's sort of going on with ebooks here. But I mean, I'm just going to offer two quick observations that I don't think are terribly controversial. Clearly, price is playing a role here with their new contracts with Amazon and other distributors. Uh, ebook prices after the whole Apple situation, they've gone up. And in regards to children's books, I think that it's just the case that, well, maybe the format hasn't really taken off. And as a parent, I can say, I understand why. You know, to me, kids' ebooks are apps. They're basically games, and they fall under screen time rather than under reading. And anecdotally, when it comes to YA books, my nieces and my nephews, I'll tell you, they like their John Green in print. They like their devices for Snapchat and that kind of thing. But when it comes to their books, they're still buying print. So these are just my own personal observations, but I don't think those are too far flung. No, I, I hardly do either, Andrew. I think they really make a strong case for, for what's what's going on here, particularly with regard to children's books. And, and the picture gets even clearer when we look at the numbers from the world's largest publisher, Penguin Random House, who announced their 2015 results this week. It was a pretty good year for them, but why it was a good year is a story, too. So tell us about that. 
Yes, indeed. Revenue of Penguin Random House rose almost 12% in 2015. That's a pretty big number. And profits rose uh, another big number, 23.2%. Those are terrific results, of course. You know, but as you suggest, there is another side to that story. And that's that the revenue gain was due almost entirely to favorable exchange rates. And while the improvement in earnings was attributed to exchange rates and savings were basically attributed to integration of Random House and Penguin, and that includes, of course, layoffs and staff reductions and folding imprints into one another. But in a letter to employees, Penguin Random House CEO Marcus Doley said that basically the heavy lifting of the merger was pretty much in the rear view now. And the, the company was pretty much going to be squarely focused on what's ahead. But while Penguin Random House has a number of bestsellers worldwide, they frequently now have about 50% of the bestseller list in the US. Sales from continuing operations, in fact, fell about 2.1% for 2015. Although we should point out that sales in the U.S. were actually up. Earnings in the U.S. were actually up. And of course, given the AAP numbers, it's worth asking how eBooks performed in 2015 for Penguin Random House. But Penguin Random House officials chose not to report that information, even though the other four of the big five publishers did report, and they reported declines in eBook sales. Penguin Random House officials would only say the U.S. eBook sales were affected by new retail sales terms. In other words, as I sort of mentioned above higher prices for ebooks. Dole did say that ebooks accounted for about 25% of revenue in the US, but that's about all the insight we really got into digital from Random House's results. Well, well indeed, uh, Andrew, we will be talking about this, uh, I think, a good deal more throughout the year. And coming up in just a couple of weeks, we'll get the global perspective on this because you and I will be joining most of the book business in London for the London Book Fair. And in Monday's issue of PW, you've got a preview. That's right. London is upon us. We are set for the 2016 London Book Fair at the Olympia in lovely West London uh, from April 12th to 14th. And I'm really looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing you there as well, Chris. Uh, and in Monday's issue, we have our annual London Briefcase in which we run down uh, the titles and uh, the rights that agents and publishers are going to be looking to uh, sell at the fair. But I just point out a few other things too that I'm interested in this year. And that's that it's the 31st International Publishers Congress this year ahead of the London Book Fair also takes place at the Olympia in London. And I think they have a pretty strong program this year, which features, among other things, a keynote by Hachette CEO Arno Nouri. And the wide-ranging program includes what looks like some very interesting discussions, including about the European Union's attempts to sort of uh, re-envision copyright, uh, as well as Amazon's power and Amazon's tax status, whether it's Hong Kong booksellers that are being abducted, censorship is always a big issue at these Congresses. Open access and scholarly communications is also on the agenda. So I think we're really going to hear a lot of good newsworthy stuff come out of uh, the International Publishers Congress ahead of the London Book Fair this year. And of course, on the day before the London Book Fair kicks off, on Monday the 11th, the latest digital pre-conference, which is now called Quantum, will take place at Olympia too. And I'll take this opportunity as well to note that once again, uh, PW will be publishing a show daily at London Book Fair, and our listeners can uh, read them all online for free here in the U.S. at the Publishers Weekly website. So it's that time of year again, London in spring, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, and so are we here at Copyright Clearance Center, and I'll take an opportunity to tell people that uh, uh, they can learn all about what our events are at our website, copyright.com forward slash London. But a couple that I think are of special interest and very timely uh, will be on Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m., uh, a special program called For Open Access, The Next Wave 
is value added author services. I'll be uh, moderating a panel that includes Phil Jones from Digital Science, Fiona Hutton uh, from Wiley, uh, Fred Fenter from Frontiers Press, and Liz Allen from F1000, a new online publisher, sort of author-centric publisher. Uh, but the panel that I'm looking forward to is one that's com- coming up on Thursday, the 14th of April at 1130. Uh, it's a special discussion around the data dilemma. And of course, this is uh, something that is much on the minds of uh, most publishers today, and that is the data they have, the data they want, and what they can do with it once they get it. Uh, as data grows even more important in publishing, there are burdens around it as well, how to extract insights, accelerate innovation, and grow revenue. So that's uh, all on our website at uh, copyright.com forward slash London. So with that preview of things to come next month at the uh, London Book Fair in April, and for all the other news from the book business, want to thank Andrew Albany, senior writer at Publishers Weekly, for joining us here on Beyond the Book. My pleasure, as always. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center, a global rights licensing technology and content workflow organization. At CCC, we serve more than 35,000 customers and 15,000 copyright holders worldwide. Copyright Clearance Center manages more than 950 million rights from the world's most sought-after journals, books, blogs, movies, and more. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 